Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Getting Buckets podcast. You know, I'm your I'm your host, Kai Carlin, with my guys, Tim McRae. Bruh, skip the intros, because Kelsey's sad. <laughs> Look at it. He's sad, bro. <laughs> we have our... We have our... <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> we, we have our local bumblebee. <laughs> Talking about me, that was so unnecessary. Fans, if you don't, if you, I know you can't see what Kelsey's wearing. Don't worry, I got y'all covered. Homeboy looks like a mustard bottle, and our producer Chris Thomasolo started this whole thing off. I want to blame Chris for this. I blame. I already told Chris I blame him for this. I want to blame Chris. Chris said he looked like a yellow safety coat. I accept full blame for this. Y'all can hate me all you want. Let's do this. And after that, just me, me and Tim ran. Mostly Tim. <laughs> mostly Tim. We ran with it. I, ha- I had a joke here and there. I couldn't help it. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, let's, let's just kind of jump into this, guys. We're not going to go full-fledged uh, quarter form like, like how, how we normally do. It's going to be a little more free form tonight. A lot going on around the league. It's all-star break. There was some uh, there was some unnecessary, nonsensical drama going on around the Los Angeles Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers in their most recent matchup with the Sixers blowing out the Lakers 143 to 120. However, pregame, general, uh, Lakers general manager Magic Johnson had some disturbing comments uh, for Sixers fans. He said Ben Simmons contacted him and Ben Simmons wanted to sit down with Magic and learn how to be a big point guard uh, in the NBA. So that was kind of the big topic going around the league. Uh, Sixers GM Elton Brand came out and pretty much wanted to squash everything about it. He he said uh, this is a non-issue. I already talked to Rob Palinka about it. Um, I I said no, so this is, I'm not sweating it. It's a non-issue to me. However, the NBA being as you know unnecessarily dramatic as it normally is, the NBA took it and ran with it, and everybody thinks Ben Simmons is heading to LA. So. What 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 are we thinking about this right now, guys? You know, I'm, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Kelsey get the spotlight first. Like, if you're Elm Brand or if you're Brett Brown or anybody really anybody within the Sixers organization, are you concerned about this? No, I'm not. Because I mean, you're you're really looking at your star player trying to get better, and who else to try to learn for uh, learn from than Magic Johnson, who was basically a uh, six foot ten, seven foot point guard. You know, and I and I get it because he's affected. He's he's with the Lakers. He's the GM. You know, the Lakers are looking for a point guard or whatever. And I and I get the whole speculation. Everyone likes to make a big deal or make a conspiracy theory out of nothing. That's 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 essentially what a lot of people just like to do. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, Ben Simmons is just overall just looking to improve. I'll be honest. I mean, I he already has the passing ability. He already rebounds the ball well. The only thing, the only thing I would like to see, well, two things I would like to see better from him is get better defensively, just be able to stay in front of well, faster I mean, people. To be honest with you, just shooting. To be honest with you, defensively, he's on his way to becoming All NBA first team this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, we see improvements, and you know, it's it's tough for him to guard like the really fast guys, but like, yeah, he's so versatile, like he's so big, he can guard, you know, two through four, and and even then, just because of virtue of him playing point. He can guard a lot of ones, you know. So, so the versatility is there. It's just like the, you have to have the lateral quickness to be able to keep in front of guys, and then also just a consistent jump shot. That's only really two things I'm looking for. At ben Simmons. Other than that, he's a complete package point guard. For me, it's just his jump shot, and and um, 
and uh, his, his free throw shooting. And free throw shooting. That's another one. But, you know, I, I, I paired the whole shooting thing in as a whole. Oh, all of I got to give a, a quick congratulations to Russell Westbrook. The notification just popped up on my screen as we are doing the podcast here right now. Russell Westbrook has just become the Thunder and the Sonics, you know, all-time le- franchise-leading scorer. So congratulations to Russell Westbrook. Um, but, but no, I mean, when it comes to Ben Simmons, there there's so many reports or, or not reports, rumors that, you know, he could be heading out to L.A. He's got that connection with LeBron James, and he just he has a um, – he has a Hollywood type of attitude around an aura kind of around, surrounding him a little bit. And, and a lot of people are really concerned about that. But Tim mentioned it on the show. He's going to be a restricted free agent in uh, 2020. So you still have him under contract this year, have him under contract next year. So it's just it's one of those things to where he's not he's not leaving Philadelphia. He's not going anywhere, even if even if, you know, um, even if he did sign somewhere else, which I don't think he does. I think he re-ups with the Sixers actually rather quickly when the time comes. But even if he were to sign somewhere else, he's restricted. And there's a you can best believe the Sixers are, are going to match any offer. Right, Tim? Like I said, man, Ben Simmons, he ain't got no control over his future at this point. And that's like, that's like a lot of players coming off rookie deals. You ain't got control over your future. You may, any of you like don't want to be with the team you are right now, you don't have say in that unless the team that you play for doesn't want you anymore. Because if you're a, you, if you're an all-star, superstar caliber talent, you're most likely going to get locked down into a max extension. Even if you don't sign an extension, you walk in a free agency. You're you are a restricted free agent. You have no control over what you do. The only way you have control is if you decide that I can tough it out for one more year and sign your qualifying offer and then hit free agency as an unrestricted free agent. Because then at that point, you have all the control in the world. And then your team, in this case, Ben Simmons, the Sixers, will have to make a decision. Either you convince him to sign an extension long term or you trade him before he walks to free agency and you get nothing in return. But all this talk of, you know, I think the media overblows a lot of stuff that comes out, you know. Oh, Magic Johnson, Carl Ben Simmons, you know, because, you know, they wanted to talk. Ben Simmons wants to work with Magic Johnson. Oh, so Ben Simmons is automatically going to L.A. Y'all be fabricating these stories way too much. Like, stop breathing life into something that's not there. Huh? Sorry. It's what we do. You're not sorry. It's how you get paid. can't be sorry when you get paid. Do it. (laughs) So, it's just like, yes... You know, it's a problem, the whole tampering thing in the NBA, that Matt Johnson is contacted Ben Simmons. But at the end of the day, what is the NBA really doing to stop tampering? Finding people, heavy fines. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Eventually, you got to start bringing down harsher punishments. Start forcing teams to lose draft picks, you know. I don't know. Suspend your GM for a year. Do something. For a year? You're tampering with other players under contract on other teams. That's There's got to be some type of harsh repercussions to make but, other GMs wary of doing this. But damn, a year? So? Damn, some type of repercussions have got to be handed out. You can't just keep fining. I'm telling after you. A while, after t- a while, who's really going to... After a while, if everybody's just getting fined, who's really taking that as a serious threat? I'm oh, telling, I can tamper with a player I'm telling contract. you, Tim, like, like, you would be the harshest GM, the harshest commissioner. Like, you would just... You would throw the hammer down on everything. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the commissioners, especially in the NFL, don't come down as hard as they should. Hey, Adam Silver's a terrific commissioner. I never said Adam Silver wasn't. Just saying. 
I've I, since he's taken over, I haven't had nothing negative to say about Adam Silver. But at times, it's not him. It's 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 the NBA system and, and their rules and how it was structured. If you, if a if a GM is constantly tampering and you have multiple occasions, why is he only being fined? And why is the only thing is his price just goes up with each fine? Why isn't you know draft picks starting to be brought into the equation? Why is there no talks of suspension? Why is only the only thing we're talking about happening is somebody getting fined? I get it. Well, I mean, I, I looked at, I looked in the rule book. This was uh, you know, during a break after actually when we were doing the show. Um, increasing a fine value, uh, it said nothing to exceed over fifty thousand dollars, but there's also can be suspensions that could be placed whether it's games or indefinitely, you know, if, if this is a repeat offense of of the of tampering. That that's what's officially in the NBA rule book as far as on the tampering tampering thing and being that um magic obviously being a um a repeat, a, a repeat offender. offender of the tampering thing. I, I can see where you're coming from to us where, you know, maybe some some suspensions could come out of that. But again, you know, it, it's it's just to to see oh, what what do they call us for as, you know, a, a punishment for a suspension. But I mean, all right, if if you have somebody on record tampering multiple times, I can I can understand, you know, if your first if the first warning, you know, was like a light fine, but that's a warning. And, you know, even the second one, you decide, all right, we're going to we're going to find him a heavier fine. It's not going to see the, you know, said 50,000, 50, right? If he does it a third time, why is we still on fines? Why is there no longer talks of suspension? Why can't we start talking about forcing this team to lose draft picks now? You want players from other teams that are under contract? Cool. But we're going to take your future from you. So you can have those players, but you ain't going to have a future to give the players help. So why not? Why, why is this? Why is it like? Why is this strictly the fine being enforced here in this in this whole situation? Why is there no talks of potentially suspending him? It's like I'm not saying go out and suspend Magic Johnson right now for you know tampering with other teams. You need a lot of hard evidence to do it. Besides him saying I would like this player to come to my team, you know, because I don't really see that as tampering. That's basically you that's basically everybody wishing a star player would come to well, their team well the, it, there was another another incident of of magic johnson tampering he was basically making comments about Giannis, saying that he's a good player he's like an amazing player and he can see Giannis winning a championship in milwaukee like that's that's just complimenting of a, what a, a team and 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 a player of what they've been doing and, if that, and, and that's the situation, that was tampering and that's the situation and if you know the nba the nba needs to really draw a line of what is tampering and what is not tampering. If a, if a GM, I don't care, if a GM comes out and just compliments a player and say that they can win a championship or they're the greatest player on the planet, that should not be considered tampering because at no point did he say, Giannis, I said the Kubo should come play in LA. Yeah, because for me, that, that sounds like an opinion. Yeah. I'd like to say he's a great player. He can win a, a championship. It's more, more of a statement the, being made. The big thing was the Paul George incident when Paul George was still in Indiana and Magic you know, got did actually get caught tampering, and he got punished with the fines and everything. Like, like he was talking to Paul, be like, "Yo, come to the Lakers." Like personally talking to him, like, "Hey, yo, come to the Lakers. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll welcome you here." So, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm with Tim. It, like, there, it comes to a point in time where, if you're really going to take this rule seriously, then the punishments have to be serious. That, like, I'm pretty sure that's all Tim's. That's pretty much that's all Tim's saying. So, I get it. Now, 
that's I mean that, that's pretty much all that that you you can really touch on on this whole conversation because the only information that has come out was really the whole um, Ben and Magic sitting down, want to become a big point guard type type of thing, and then Elton Brand pretty much came out and squashed it. And then Elton Brand actually called Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson, and they talked about it over the phone. And Elton, I guess, apologized for going public, uh, saying they squashed it. And I'm, I'm not really sure like how, how the whole thing turned out. So that's pretty much all the comments. That's pretty much all the information that you, that we really have on it. And just the NBA then conducted its own investigation, and they determined there was no tampering. So I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of a kind of a moot point. But just I find it interesting how Magic just continues to you know find his way. Um, like into these conversations all the time just find his way into these random tampering you know accusations and it, and it's not once or twice either like this happens all the time saying you got multiple occasions occurrences of this type of thing happening you need to bring some you need to do something about it. you something's got to be done yeah bring some type of authority down on magic johnson you know and the lakers organization as a whole like this shouldn't be acceptable like how do you think like other GMs and team owners around the league are looking at this? Like, they're probably looking at Adam Silver with like a side eye right now because if Magic Johnson can keep just freely tampering with players under contract to other teams, and the worst he gets is a fifty thousand dollar fine, then yeah, I would. Adam Silver's got to do something about it because it's it, it was it's going to start to make him look bad as well as the NBA as a whole. For sure, for sure. All right, it's it's the All Star break, guys. All Star weekend, always a fun time. Uh, not not always the most uh, entertaining game, I'll say, or aesthetically pleasing, but it's always a fun weekend between All Star Saturday night, the Rising Stars Challenge. You know, all all, all the shenanigans and the hijinks that, that come out during this weekend. It's always it's always a lot of fun. I personally just like All Star Saturday night. All Star Saturday night's always been fun. I just that's like my that's personal thing. Like All Star Weekend because that's the one thing I just want to watch because I want to watch the three point shootout. I want to watch the dunk contest. Uh, you the, know, the I want, skills the, challenge is the, fun. The skill challenge last few years, bro. What? Yeah, skills challenge that last few years been a lot of fun. Lit. I'll be every time I'll be like, yo, hold on, is that Marcus about to win that? Like, the big man, the, including the big man in the competition, definitely spiced things up because it was getting stale for a little while. Where you know it was just only guards. Now you got four guards, four big men. And you have them compete against each other. And it's actually funny and exciting to see because sometimes you'll have a big man come out and school a guard in the skill challenge. Yeah, Carl Towns won it. Yeah, and, I, and it's did, been... Did Cousins win it one year? Nah, he ain't win it. But, you know, you saw Cousins out. I'll just make a point because he was in it one year. And it's like you see a big man going up against a guard and it's just like you wouldn't have seen this, you know, in years past. But the NBA has realized that the game is changing and that the players are changing themselves so the players can do more. Like the big man can bring up the ball up the court and, you know, run the offense versus just stand in the post and, you know, shoot a hook shot every now and then. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a lot of fun. That's why, I mean, I love All-Star Weekends. It's, it's, it's always, you know, something to look, really, really look forward to uh, on the NBA schedule. So All-Star game is going to be – nah, I'm saying All-Star halftime is going to be lit. You know, your boy J. Cole. J. Cole, Cole World, B. Uh, all right. So, which which means it's the unceremonious or, excuse me, unofficial half point, halfway point of the season. Even though we're more than halfway into the season, teams have played 59, 58 games. When they'll, they'll, and when this All Star break concludes and teams get back to work, there's like two and a half months left of the season. Not even. Yeah. Like two, exactly two, and, and like actually a little less than two if you really want to get technical. These teams are going to have about 24, 23, 25 games left to go until uh, you know the playoffs get set to go in mid-April, and it's going to be an absolute sprint 
to the playoffs. And I'm look, really looking forward to the Eastern Conference playoffs because in the West, sure, you have Golden State, you have Denver, you have Houston, you have OKC. But Golden State is still – well, I mean, I guess you could throw Portland in there. They're technically the four seed right now. But Golden State is still the team. I and mean, I think all three of us know that. Out East, though, you have Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Indiana's hanging on by a thread, but without Oladipo, it's obviously going to be very, very tough for them. But the Eastern Conference playoffs, it's, just, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then you have upstart teams like Brooklyn. You have uh, teams with all-stars in Charlotte with Kemba Walker and Detroit with Blake Griffin. And and then you have Miami uh, with, with uh, and Dwayne Wade's final season. So Go ahead. Say, go ahead, say Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat, and a bunch of Jags. Hey man, like I was just trying to, I was trying to hype it up. Like you, 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 you just kind of squashed all of it. We 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 talk nothing but real talk on here, bro. That Miami the, Heat, Dwayne Wade, and a bunch of Jags, and Eric Spolstra. Okay, Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade, Eric Spolstra, and a bunch of Jags. What about Goran Dragic? He's an All Star. Bunch of Jags, All Star Goran Dragic. He's coming J- back after the All Star break. J A G. Not even close. He's Jags. an All Star. Just another all star. Guy. Dwayne uh, Goran Dragic, all star, along with Dwayne Wade, all star. Two of them. I, I haven't considered Goran Dragic an all star since like probably his first season in Miami. And then, uh, two of them. Two of them. So it's gonna be it's gonna really gonna be a fun sprint to the playoffs. I mean, we pretty much agreed that whoever gets the six, seven, eight seed, they're probably losing in the first round. Although you guys have Brooklyn, you know, if if Brooklyn takes on Indiana, you think the Nets can pull one out? I do. Kelsey said Indiana can win. Or did you pick Brooklyn? No, he win? picked Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, gonna take, I'm gonna take an Indiana, but I'm like, sorry, like if they were to match up, um, can can we dissect that a little bit? Why would you pick Indiana still? Like, is it uh, because of Nate McMillan and their death? Nate, yeah, Nate McMillan depth and the fact that Indiana would have home court. I mean, okay. even though there's no Victor Oladipo, it's tough to go into Bankers Life Fieldhouse and you know and, and beat them. I just, I just don't think they will hold up for a seven game series. Like, I think when it comes down to like who's gonna take the last shot, who are you putting the ball, who whose hands is the ball going in? Miles Turner hasn't proved to be even a, like a second option for a team yet. Uh, ooh, Bogdanovich, he 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 hits some nice shots, but I don't think he's a closer for you. Tyreek Evans and Darren Collins would probably be like the two closest you would have as closers, and I wouldn't even want to put the ball in either one of their hands because neither one of them is like legit knockdown shooters in the clutch. I mean, I, I like Miles Turner still. I, I like. I that. mean, he's still he's still he's still young enough that he still has the potential to like reach. I, I, like, like, listen, Miles Turner is never going to be the 2010 guy that you and me want him to be, but Turner, Turner, Turner's a guy who, who, who can, you know, he, he can ball out. Can he even get 16 to 10? Like, I don't think he can get 10 rebounds. Period. He's not a rebounder. He, he's, he's literally. See, and, and that, and that's always been my gripe with a big. You can't, you, for me, you can't be seven foot and and not be averaging 10 boards a game. He, he's, because he, your height alone should give you at least eight of them boards. He's basically a younger, more athletic Brook Lopez. Again, your height alone should give you like eight rebounds. After that, you need to put it in the the hustle, energy, and effort. Yeah. Because you should not be seven foot and averaging five rebounds a game. I'm sorry. I know it's it's bad, but because but, but, not, but, but Turner not, not, at the end what, of the day is an elite shot blocker. That's pretty much what he brings to the floor, and he's a guy who at this point is really him and Boyan Bogdanovich are the two guys really stepping up the most without in the absence of Victor Oladipo. I like the addition of Wesley Matthews. He's a spot-up shooter. Um 
It was interesting that he chose Indiana. Though. Yeah, I'm interested about the Indiana choice too. That 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 definitely shocked me a little bit. I thought for sure he'd go to Philly or Boston or, or, or have, somebody. Does Toronto. he have any ties to Indiana? He go to high school there, live there. Or I mean, what? he went to Marquette for college. Marquette's in Wisconsin. You know, maybe go to the Bucks. I, I don't know. Point is Indiana. So I like I like the additions they made. They got good depth. I would take the Pacers. I just I just think for me Brooklyn as. Young up and coming players. D'Angelo Russell's an all star this year. And, and, Spen- and, and listen, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And Spencer Dinwiddie. Russell does have ice in his veins. He's Russell, proven that Russell, all season. Russell's had ice in his veins since his rookie year. Listen, he, he Russell has had ice in his veins since he stepped foot in the league and like, he's shown it. I mean, this, this year it's gotten better because he's proved his he's improved his game all around. All around too. And I mean, remember at the beginning of the season though, we talked about the make or break make or break players on each team. And yeah. we all talked about D'Angelo Russell. We were like, he needs to have a big year this year because the Nets have money to play with this summer. So they can either re sign D'Lo or go and go after a guy like Kyrie Irving or something. So that was kind of our big when we pre- when we were previewing the Brooklyn Nets yeah. back in October, that was what we were talking about. So give D'Angelo Russell a ton of credit. But I think I think for me the biggest X factor for Brooklyn going into the playoffs is going to be Karis Levert. If I he, think so. If he if he, yeah. if he comes back fully healthy and suits up, Levert is be- back though. He he recently came back. Oh, that's right. He did return. Right? He, he's recently come back. So now he he's played in a couple games before this so All Star break. For me, if he can get back to the form he was when the season started, I can't give the Indiana at all. Because Lavert, respect it. I hear it. Lavert with Russell. Listen, this Brooklyn team has made a believer out of me. Because I've, you know, I've been the first one saying, "Why Brooklyn?" Anytime, I told, anytime, I told any, you guys about Brooklyn. Anytime you would, anytime you would bring up Brooklyn, I would just look at you like, "What are you talking about, bro?" You can just believe in me. I don't know about that just yet. I'm not going to fully believe in you. But D'Angelo Russell and his Nets team has. Kenny Agason has made a believer out of me as a head coach because I, a I, I was skeptical of that hire. I was like, who is him? I was like, who is he? Who is him? <laughs> that, that's that's exactly how I felt. I was like, bruh, who is you? Like, good play, good coach, man. He's he's a great coach. He was he's got these young he's got these young kids buying into a system, and has got them competing at a high level with some of the best teams in the league night in and night out. Yep, I mean, so like, the All Star break, Brooklyn's thirty and twenty nine. Um, it, it, honestly, like it, it took them a, they, they went on like a four or five game skid going into the break, but they did pick up a, a huge triple overtime win over the Cavaliers. Yeah. They, they, they got to do better though. You shouldn't have triple overtime with the Cavs though. Like, hey, I gotta give Damari Carroll a ton of credit. Did you hear, did you see the three point shot back, he hit? Step back three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To force the third overtime. That was a clutch shot for Damari Carroll. Give him credit. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't think he had the step back game. Like, neither did I. I was like, wow. I was like, he can hit the three, but step back, boy. All right, real quick, I want to touch on Philadelphia and Boston. And Kelsey, you mentioned on the show that Boston's kind of their kryptonite, and right now they are, without a doubt. Right now, that right now they are. But Philadelphia has dropped ten of their last twelve games to the Celtics. And sure, you could say Boston's in their head and everything else in between. But in their most recent game, right, Boston won one twelve to one hundred nine in, in, in Philly. But let's just break this down. Let, let let's just break it down from. You know, every standpoint imaginable. That was on Tuesday, so this was February. This was February twelfth. The trade deadline was the seventh, when the Sixers made the big moves for Tobias Harris, and they brought in James Ennis, and they brought in Jonathan Simmons, and they brought in Boban Marjanovic and Mike Scott. That and they added, and they added that to Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, JJ Redick, um, you know, everybody else on that team, TJ McConnell. But we, I, we really had to kind of look at that, Kels. And be like, yo, this team was that that team at the, at the time was together for five days. It was their third game together as a group. Um, Tobias Harris shot 0 for 6 from deep. You're not going to see Tobias Harris shoot 0 for 6 from deep again. 
Joel Embiid settled for eight three-pointers. That's a problem. That's a problem I will touch on. And really, Jimmy Butler missed some really clutch free throws down the stretch. He had a chance to tie the game when he got fouled on a three-pointer. He missed two of the three. Um, and then, and then there were like there were a couple defensive breakdowns. But again, that comes to a point where that team was together for five days. They meet. They meet again March twentieth. That is the, that is Philadelphia's and Boston's kind of next clash, and it comes to a point where you look at it and you go, by the time that March matchup rolls around, I'm telling you, man, this is good. It's going to be a lot different. Like the Sixers only lost by three, despite all of that that I just mentioned. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, with Philadelphia making the the many the many moves that they did on at the trade deadline that Brett Brown's going to have his work cut out for him. And we already saw that Brett Brown had his work cut out for him just because, you know, Boston's very well coached. I mean, you know, give Brad Stevens the utmost amount of credit because Brad Stevens is a really, really good coach in this league. And just the fact that, you know, that Boston was able to go get a win on the road, and I get it, you know, Philadelphia made all these moves and they're integrating, you know, at least three, four, five guys and and on their team within a couple of days before that matchup, you know, but still that was a winnable game. You know, you don't see Tobias Harris, you know, shooting oh for six for deep. You clutch for you know you know how I feel about free throws. You know, that's another thing, you know. So I'm gonna look at that March twentieth, um, or that, that next matchup in March, and if Philadelphia doesn't win that uh, win that one, I'm I'm officially writing off the Philadelphia 76ers as, you know, contenders. Because you think about it, you know, you have to win regular season games, you know, for you to perform in the playoffs. I get it's a long season, but those games that you're going against a tougher opponent or that's or someone that is equal or better than you, you have to go up and you have to rise up to the occasion and you have to beat those teams. You may not do it every time, but you still have to go out and especially Boston that knocked them out last year. You got to go out and win these games. And we're going to see a more complete Sixers team after they get every, you know, they get these new guys within the plays, within the offense and all that. Um, I do believe that game is in Boston. So no, it's in Philly. Oh, it's in Philly. All right. If it's, so it's in, if it's in Philly, that's even more reason for them to win that game, you know? So, so uh, with that being said, I mean they got to go out and get, get they just got to take care of business. They they do, and, and I mean like I, I get it because you know because of the, the pure dominance Boston has had in in this series. And just to touch, just to go back to Joel Embiid, the fact that he took eight three pointers, I don't know, like he's taken sixteen three pointers against Boston in three matchups. That's an average of like five point three a game. He regularly he averages four point one three point attempts a game. Still too high. But the fact that he's taken five, over five threes a game against Boston really shows to me that the Celtics really just do a terrific job of pushing him out to the three-point line, not allowing him to get post position. And give a ton of credit to Al Horford. A lot of people really hate on Al Horford, but Horford really does a terrific job guarding Embiid. I mean, I, I really think it also comes down to the way Horford plays because Horford is versatile as far as being inside, mid-range, and outside. And just for me... You know, playing the center position uh, uh, like throughout many years of basketball, when you have a matchup against a, uh, against a center that likes to float out and can shoot from the outside shots, you kind of float out and do and and 
you know, get away from what you like to do and get into outside shots because they're giving you that space as well. You know, we all know Joel Embiid is a monster down low um, and all that, but it's just the scheme that, that Brad Stevens, you know, brings, likes to double him down in the post, likes to, likes to trap him as soon as he touches the ball, you know, deny him the spot that he wants to get the ball. All the little stuff, you know, everyone, everyone does. And it's not just Al Horford that defends. There's a lot of people on this on this uh, Celtics roster that likes to defend as well. So like the game plan is is there. I mean, it's Joel Embiid just happens to get out of his game whenever he plays Boston because we've seen it multiple times now. I mean, you know he he's got to get things right. Brett Brown's got to get things right, and <laughs> you know with with Boston being their Achilles heel. You know they can't have this in the playoffs. It also comes down to a point. You gotta look at Ben Simmons and be like, bro, you need to, you need to shoot a jump shot. You gotta you 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 know you don't only have to shoot him. You also gotta make him so defense can can play you because we always bring this up last year where when you have the opposing center guarding your point guard because your point guard can't shoot anything outside of ten feet, that's a problem. It is, and I mean Ben Simmons is an incredible talent. I mean, what he does on the basketball court day in and day out is just, it, it's so impressive. But the thing really holding him back, and I feel like really beginning to hold the Sixers back in terms of when they play the Celtics, is, is his lack of a jump shot. Lack of a jump shot and also not not being able to hit the free throw consistently. Because even even if 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 Ben Simmons, because we see shooting like 60% for the free throw line this like year. 58, 58 yeah. 60. Like even if, if, he's, if he's up in the 80s. And him already being aggressive and going to the basket, that's that's just going to make the defense come to him even more. You I know, mean, if he gets to the free throw line, if he if he pulls James Harden and goes to the free throw line like twenty times a game and gets twenty free baskets, twenty free points at the free throw line, that's a problem. Like, I know you have to literally fix. I mean, I mean we we've seen that teams have to literally defend James Harden differently just because he he's so good at attracting a foul and getting getting free points at the free throw line. That's if, if Ben Simmons can add a jump shot, not even a three-point, if you get a consistent mid-range Jimmy and also free and also shoot better from the free throw line, you have yourself a complete a complete guard right there, the, bro. That, that, a that, complete that, player. Like like that's gonna be Philadelphia's challenge is make finding ways to make Embiid and Simmons more effective in the Boston series. And the same and Tobias Harris, like I said, Harris is going to shoot 0 for six from deep again. He shoots forty four percent from from three he, point he, range. He's got he's got the green light. Like he, there's no way he's not going to do that again. Yeah, I mean the Sixers missed a lot of open looks. They missed a lot of free throws. You know, I'm, I'm looking at you, Jimmy Butler, and, and also Ben Simmons. And I'm looking at you, James Ennis. James Ennis actually didn't even play in the game, so you you, you can't say anything to James Ennis on this. I can't say any and everything I want about James Ennis. Uh, so as as we head into this kind of final twenty five games, guys rank the Eastern Conference contenders from best to worst. And, and I'm just talking about the four. I was about to say, so it's going to be a short list. Yeah, I'm just talking about the four. Uh, Kelsey, go first. I can't think. Milwaukee, Toronto, uh, Philadelphia, Boston. Yeah, I agree with that. So you, put, so you go Milwaukee, Toronto? Yep. I think right now, because Toronto made some really good, that really nice, the addition well, yeah, of Jeremy yeah. Lin yeah, is, is honestly a really, really good. Yeah, what's up with Toronto and these intros they be doing, bro? Like it's funny, right? Yeah, God, it's God, hilarious. Gasol and Lynn, they've been here for like what two, three games. Already bought into the whole the intros. Like, yeah, what's going on in Toronto? This, this is how y'all plan to win this year. I think right now I would say Toronto, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston. That's fair to say because Toronto and Milwaukee are like one A, one B. Yeah, one A, one B. But 
like, listen, I, as I've always said, like, listen, Giannis Antetokounmpo, in my opinion, has passed Kawhi Leonard in terms of best player in the Eastern Conference. Like, best player in the Eastern Conference. I think Giannis is the best player in the East. Like, like what Giannis does is incredible. And and Antetokounmpo has literally lifted the Bucks to, to new heights. But as I said from the beginning, if Kawhi Leonard is healthy and he's ready to roll, and you have Marcus Gasol, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, uh, the improved player Pascal Siakam, the guy they call Spicy P up there, yeah, which like, is weird, but you know whatever that that's his nickname. They call him Spicy P these, in Toronto. These, these nicknames, guy, y'all gotta stop with these nicknames because they getting ridiculous with, with each new one. So, so you Kelly, got Kelsey shocked right now. So you didn't know they called him Spicy P. You didn't know that. No. Yeah, yeah, they called Pascal Siakam yeah, bro, Spicy like, P. Yeah. I found out through like all these alerts I'm getting on my phone. Like Spicy P puts a. I was like, who in the hell is <laughs> Spicy, Spicy P? P? <laughs> yeah, because Bleacher Report buys yeah. into that shit. <laughs> Bleacher Report will, will literally push that. So yeah, they call him Spicy P up in Toronto. But yeah, anyway, right. you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Kyle Lowry, Marcus All, Siakam, uh, Danny Green, Jeremy Lin, Fred Van Vliet's going to come back from his injury, and then. You know, you, you still have all of a sudden like that that depth they lost. I was I was complaining about in the Gasol deal how they gave up Valanciunas along with C.J. Miles and uh, Delon Wright. They just regained it in Jeremy Lin. So all of a sudden, Toronto. I, I knew he was gonna like that sign. Yeah, like as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Yup, Toronto's num- back to being my number one Eastern Conference contender," because Lin is Lin, Lin could start for a lot of teams. Do you remember what Lynn did up the bench in the playoffs for the Charlotte in 2016 in that series against the Heat? I mean, Lynn was a big, like, game changer in that series for the Hornets. Like, he was causing Miami fits. And even in, even in the first first round when uh, Toronto played um, Indiana, or excuse me, like, like of that year, you know, they, they, they have just so much depth. And that, that's what I like about the Raptors. You added Kawhi Leonard to this group. I'm, I'm, I'm still putting Toronto number one. All I'm saying is we're going to see the true test of Nick Nurse in the playoffs. Oh, for sure. That's that's it. For sure. Would you the feel Raptor, more would Ra- you feel more confident if Dwayne Casey was still Toronto's Absolutely. coach? Oh, if Dwayne Absolutely. Casey's still Toronto's coach, I'm writing I'm I'm putting Toronto in the finals. Bro, I, I right told, now. I'd have told you NBA Finals this year, Golden State Raptors. And I would have booked it. If if Casey was if still Casey there. Casey was still the coach. Nick Nurse has to go out and prove he can outcoach the likes of freaking Brad Stevens and Brett Brown and Mike Budenholzer. Yep, I'm with it. I mean, listen, remember, I, I've been saying that the Budenholzer hire to me from Milwaukee was a no-brainer. I said in the summertime, remember? I said, listen, if you can take Jeff Teague, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Kyle Corver, and Damara Carroll to the Eastern Conference Finals, imagine what you can do with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the rest of that I'll roster. I'll do you one even better. I think if Dwayne Casey was still the head coach of the Raptors and also that trade didn't happen, I'll still put the Raptors at the, in the finals. Listen, that, that, that's fair. I mean, Dwayne Casey's a terrific head coach. Look what he's doing with the Pistons. I, I mean, mean, Detroit's you, really not I'll that good. i do you one better than that. If Dwayne Casey was still the coach of the Raptors and they traded for Kawhi and traded for Gasol. And made the Lynn pickup. That too, but you just felt like you had to throw that in there. Well, I mean, it's a big pickup. And go to say didn't sign Demarcus Cousins, I would guarantee the Raptors will win the title. Yep. I mean, listen, that's I, how bold I'm coming, B. Listen, he, he, here's the thing. I mean, Dwayne Casey. I, I got. I gotta say this. Dwayne Casey is a terrific head coach, and I feel like he's doing a hell of a job in Detroit even right now, considering the deficiencies that the Pistons have been dealing with. And to even have the Pistons as the eight seed right now, give him a ton of credit. 
but a lot of a lot of criticisms criticisms about Casey was about his offense in Toronto. I mean, the criticism was that it was just he would give the ball to Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to kind of watch him go one on one. And when Nick Nurse did get hired, it, 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 you know that that's when the Raptors' offense, you know, supposedly got enhanced. But who hired Nick Nurse? Casey. And who decided to make that change for his offense? Nurse. Casey. Well, yeah, Casey, but still. Um, Only a head coach, the great head coaches realize where they're not working their best. So Casey realized, all right, maybe I'm not the greatest with this offense for this team. So he hired somebody like Nick Nurse to bring a different perspective for his team and said, all right, well, if we do this and we do this, we might get more out of our players and talent in general. Right. And Casey clearly went along with that. So, you know, Dwayne Casey can adapt and change his style as need be. And I think that's one of the things that the great head coaches are able to do. You're able to adapt and, you know, move ahead with the times. You know, the bad ones are going to stick to what they want to do and watch it fail. It's like banging your head against the wall and expecting you to being like banging your head against a brick wall, I'm sorry, and expecting you to go through it. Are you going to end up with is CTE, basically? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I understand it. At the end of the day, I I I am going to agree with you, Tim. I think it's going to come down to can Nick Nurse outcoach, you know, the likes of Budenholzer, Stevens, and, and Brett Brown, and but even w- and and even if Toronto were to match up with Indiana, he would still have to go head to head with Nate McMillan. And Nate McMillan's a great coach, so and, and, like Nate McMillan has done a terrific job in Indiana, and um. Or, or let's just say Toronto and Detroit were to match up in the first round. I mean, Toronto would beat them. Like, Toronto just would. Just because of the talent alone. Yeah, just because of the talent. But, you know, Dwayne Casey, you know, as we just talked about. Will probably coach Soakers around him. Yeah, because Casey will will have the Pistons in, in these games. It's the Raptors are just a better team talent-wise. So that's why Toronto would win the series. Um, uh, at, at the end of the day, I am going to take Toronto out of the Eastern Conference. Like, if I were to pick it right now. Just for the simple fact that Ka- that Kawhi Leonard is ready to go, and and the same goes for Marcus All and and the other additions that they made. Like the Raptors are, you know, my my team to pick. Western Conference still Golden State. So why is that a question? Who are they beating in the Western Conference Finals? Does it really matter? No, I mean let's let I me mean, like, come on now. Let's... Thunder. Thunder. For me, it, it really doesn't matter. You just don't give a damn about the Western Conference. You really right don't. Now. I don't because as long as Golden State has this Justice League starting five out there, it doesn't matter. I mean, to be honest with you, I was watching the Golden State Miami game the other night, and really Miami gave him a battle. Josh Richardson went for a career high thirty-seven. Um, of course, everyone was going to go out and prove that they can beat Golden State. That's cool. You can prove you can do it in one game for seven in a row. Can't do it. Houston, Houston already proved they couldn't do it. I'll be honest. The fact that Cleveland actually beat them in 2016, being down 3-1, is shocking. That, like that, like that's why I respect the hell out of LeBron James and the Cavaliers' title in 2016. Like that, that's an, an impressive fucking I mean, title. I mean, you you really look at it in the West. I think the only the only two teams that that could possibly meet with Golden State in the Western Conference Finals is OKC and Denver. It's the only two teams I'm taking. I think Portland could. No, I don't think. Yeah, no Listen, offense. I like the addition of Ennis Canner, man. I do. I no. like the Ennis Canner addition. Yeah, you're really high on Portland, then. Well, I mean, listen, I, I get it. You know, the fact that you put Portland can make it over Houston, I'm just looking at you like. But my man Dame Lillard, though, we love Dame Lillard. I love Dame. I don't love his supporting cast. You don't love CJ McCollum? CJ McCollum's all right. That's it. You don't love Nurkic? Hell no. Canner's a good addition. You don't. You don't Kanner, love. You know, you Kanner just, can't play defense. You don't like, like Alfred Camino. You don't like Mo Harkless. 
Y'all gonna sit here and talk about Jags to me? You don't like Evan Turner? Wow, the oh, ultimate, we, the ultimate Jag. Ultimate Jag. As soon as he said Jag, I thought about Evan Turner. The ultimate Jag. That's he king of Jags. Give Jake Lehman credit. I think feel like Lehman really has begun like become like a Lame, really man. like a really good option off the bench. Even like they beat the Warriors last last night by twenty two. And Lehman, um, he had nine. I think he had seventeen points, and like fifteen came in the fourth. It's cool. Need to see that in a seven. In a seven series. game series, Tim, I get it, but I mean, this is why I'm not. I'm not like I'm not picking Portland to come out of the West. I didn't but, say but, you were. But, but what what I'm saying is Portland, I think can, can make a, can at least make a Western Conference Finals with with this group. And I said that the fact that you picked them over Houston, that's why I'm looking at you crazy. In fact, you're putting them over Denver. Oh, stop! You just got woken up on your team. I'm not wrong. I'm not commenting on that because I roasted him too much earlier. That's true. You, you, no, honestly, like you need to apologize at some point. <laughs> I can never apologize for roasting, bitch. <laughs> That's the whole point of roasting. All right, guys. That's about all the time we have here today for this podcast. So for Kelsey Whitted, for Tim McRae, I'm Kai Carlin. Big shout out to our great producer, Chris Tomasello. Does great work for us. Uh, thank you, Chris, for everything. And with that, we're out. We'll see you guys next time. This has been a 8th Hour Production.